There's a French doctor in the late 1700s. His first name is Joseph. Uh, Joseph was a um, well-known physician. He was deeply opposed to the death penalty and worked much of his life to try to abolish it in France. Um, When he was unsuccessful, he then came up with the idea that if he could just make executions less awful, perhaps that would at least decrease human suffering and maybe ultimately lead to creating uh, this abolishment of the death penalty that he hoped for. And so, um, at the time in France, executions happen in a variety of ways, they, uh, everything from hanging to disembowelment. And so, he said, if only we could have a machine uh, that could immediately end someone's life without pain or suffering. Uh, and, and he did not invent this machine. Someone else did at his uh, recommendation years later. Um, but he is um, famous for it because Joseph's last name is Guillotine. Um, and it's a little bit ironic that the guy who wanted to abolish the death penalty and decrease human suffering uh, has become famous for all the wrong things. Um, in the uh, first century A.D., there was a Roman emperor named uh, Vespasian, and Vespasian was significant for many reasons. He ruled the Roman Empire from 69 to 79 A.D. Um, We know him most because he was the one who conquered the city of Jerusalem and destroyed the temple there. But he also uh, started an imperial dynasty that lasted 27 years, um, instituted all kinds of reforms in Rome, very important, successful uh, emperor. Um, But uh, Vespasian, kind of odd, uh, he instituted he instituted a tax on urine um, because they collected it for the ammonia purposes for cleaning. Uh, anyway, um, today in Italy, uh, urinals are known as Vespasianos um, because that's what he's famous for. Uh, and um, here's what I, I want to point out. Uh, it, is, it is possible to become famous for all the wrong things. I thought the urinal thing was funnier than you guys thought the urinal thing was. <laughs> but that's fine. Okay. Anyway. Uh, it's possible to become famous for all the wrong reasons. And I think that in this particular section of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is deeply concerned about why He is becoming famous. Uh, Jesus knows He's going to become famous. Jesus wants to become famous for the right reasons. There's a particular word that He wants to spread about Himself Uh, And so, in these two stories, the story of the healing of the leper and the story of the healing of the paralytic, we get two very different ideas of what Jesus might become famous for. Two different words that are proclaimed. The the leper proclaims a word about Jesus, and Jesus proclaims a word about Himself. So, I want to think this morning about why and how Jesus wants to be known. So let's talk about the leper first. Uh, in, the, in the story of the leper, um, we begin with this man approaching Jesus, um, begging and kneeling before Him and asking Him to make Him clean. So actually, let's back up a little bit. Leprosy in the ancient world was um, really synonymous with all forms of skin disease. So we have a, a modern definition of leprosy, which is much more limited. Um, but in the ancient world, leprosy would have included a, a host of various skin diseases and rashes. Um, The effect in the world of Israel was those diseases made you unclean, uh, kind of like uh, not morally unable to go to God, but ritually unable to go to God. And so, if you were unclean, you couldn't worship in the temple, uh, you couldn't bring a sacrifice to God. 
and uncleanliness was contagious. So if you were a leper, if you had a skin disease and you touched someone, then they became unclean as well. Then they couldn't go to temple or worship God. Uh, kind of like touching a dead body in the ancient world, in the ancient world of Israel. So uh, this, um, this leprosy um, that afflicted this man fell into all of these ritual categories. And actually, the man would have been expected to behave very differently than he does with Jesus because uh, obviously if he touches him, even accidentally, even for a moment, Jesus becomes unclean. He can't go to synagogue. It's a huge inconvenience for anybody in the Jewish world, but especially for a rabbi. So what a, a leper is supposed to do, a leper is supposed to keep their distance. They live outside the city or outside the camp, and if they see another Jewish person coming near them, they're supposed to put their finger over their upper lip and say, unclean, unclean, so that the people around them know to keep their distance and to avoid even accidentally becoming unclean themselves. So in this wild story, uh, the leper doesn't do what a leper is supposed to do. He runs up to Jesus. He kneels before Him. He gets dangerously close, and He begs Him for healing. And, and then Jesus doesn't do what Jesus is supposed to do. Jesus doesn't say, get away from me. He doesn't say, um, you know, back off. I don't want you to touch me. He doesn't even just heal the man. hope you noticed what Jesus does. We're told in verse 41, moved with compassion… Jesus stretched out His hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So in this moment, um, nobody's doing what they're supposed to do, but Jesus most of all is, is um, touching this man to make him clean. Uh, I, I think we are supposed to recognize something fundamental about the identity of Jesus in this story. Um, we're told that Jesus is moved with pity or moved with compassion. Uh, and this is an idea that runs throughout the whole Hebrew Bible about the identity of God Himself, that God is a God deeply wedded to this practice of compassion that tears down human divisions. Uh, Stephen Covey wrote a wonderful book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. A lot of us have probably read that book. If you've not, you probably should. And uh, in it, he tells a story. He says that one day he was on a subway uh, in New York City, and in his subway car there were a bunch of people. Um, they were reading newspapers, or they were sort of staring off into the distance, or a few people just sitting there with their eyes closed, and it was kind of a calm, peaceful environment. And then they, uh, at a particular stop, the doors open, and a man enters with several children. And they come in the car, and the children move through the train car like a wildfire, right? I mean, they are just running back and forth and screaming and yelling and even like pulling the newspapers out of people's hands, just chaotic. The man, however, comes and he sits right next to Stephen Covey, and he sort of leans back and just closes his eyes. And as the children run throughout the train car, uh, Stephen Covey says he and pretty much all the other passengers get increasingly frustrated. And finally, he says he turns to the man who's got his eyes closed as his children are running amok. And he says, with what he felt was unusual patience and restraint, sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you couldn't control them a little more. 
He said the man lifted his gaze as sort of awareness of the situation sat in for the first time, and he said, oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think, and I guess they don't know how to handle it either. Stephen says in that moment, his whole way of seeing the situation changed. No longer was he trying not to be irritated or frustrated. He was overwhelmed with sorrow for this man and for his children. He thought differently. He saw differently. He behaved differently. He said, my heart was filled with the man's pain. Your wife just died. I'm so sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? The, the word compassion literally means to suffer with, right? Passion means suffer. Compassion is to suffer with. Uh, and what Jesus does for the leper is what Stephen Covey does for this man. He allows that person's pain to become his own. Uh, this is really the whole story of the incarnation, right? God um, enters into our world so He can quite literally suffer with us. God, who in heaven cannot suffer, becomes human so that He can go through this journey with us. The question, of course, immediately arises, who are the, um, the unclean in our world today on whom we are called to have compassion as Christ has compassion on us? It might be people with actual illness. It might be people with um, some kind of addiction or someone afflicted by poverty or someone dealing with a crisis that's so messy we'd rather not engage with it. Uh, in our incredibly polarized society, we might see people who just disagree with us as unclean, as those we should keep at a distance. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus lives this life of compassion, compassion that makes us shift from judgment to empathy. He sees everyone as not just unclean or irritating or wrong, but as human. This is incredibly important. It's an incredibly important idea um, that we are to master as followers of Jesus, and it's huge as Mark is revealing the identity of the Messiah to us. However, something really weird happens after Jesus heals this man. Did you notice it? After Jesus heals this man in this incredibly compassionate way, moved by compassion, verse 43, He sternly warns him and sends him away immediately saying, see that you say nothing to anyone. Go and show yourself to the priest and offer for yourself cleansing what Moses commanded. So he's saying, obey the Bible. Do what the Bible says about getting clean. You got to go to the priest, but don't tell anybody about what I did. Isn't that interesting? Don't don't tell anybody. Does the man listen to Jesus? He does not, right? We're told the man went out and began to proclaim it freely to spread the word. And the effect of him spreading the word is that Jesus can no longer do ministry in town. He has to go out into the wilderness. This is kind of a John the Baptist echo of Jesus in the wilderness and people coming out to him. This is not what Jesus wanted. Super interesting. Jesus wants to heal the man, but He doesn't want to be famous for healing the man. So, you can be famous for all kinds of reasons. Jesus 
has a particular way he wants to be famous and a particular thing he wants to be famous for. And this was not it. Jesus is a miracle worker. Jesus has compassion on all our earthly needs, but He doesn't want to be known as a miracle worker. Jesus could have snapped His fingers and healed every leper in Israel, in the world. That's not what He wants to be famous for. It's easy to focus on the cleansing of our skin. Um, Jesus wants to be involved in the cleansing of our hearts. So, let's look at this second story. I think this is hugely important for us. In the second story, Jesus is um, back into Capernaum. So, the, the crowds created by the leper have died down a little bit as He has dodged them. And Jesus is back in Capernaum. He's back probably in Peter's house again, and He's teaching. And the Scripture says this time, Jesus is proclaiming the Word. Uh, and as He's teaching, these men show up with their friend, and they want to bring Jesus to him. The man's paralyzed. They know Jesus can do miracles. Word is out about that. So they bring him to Jesus, and they can't get in the door, and they actually end up lowering him in through the ceiling. Um, this is… Uh, okay, just for fun, I've got a few pictures I've shown you before, but um, will you put my… Yeah. So if you go to Capernaum today, uh, these are the ra- remains of a church that we're fairly certain was built on the remains of Peter's house, okay? And you can see something above them. Just go to my next picture. Um, And so, again, there's the remains. Uh, Go back. Yeah, there's the remains. You see a ramp. So, above the remains of what is Peter's house, uh, there is a new church built that you can worship in. And if you go inside that church, give me one more picture, and you look down at the center of the church, um, there's this window that looks down um, through what would have been the roof into Peter's home. Uh, One more picture, please. Uh, And so, um, as you worship, you are literally in the position of those four friends lowering their paralyzed man to Jesus. It's a really cool experience. And it reminds us, um, perhaps, of the significance of what those men did. It's their faith Jesus sees, which is so incredibly huge. Um, but uh, thank you very much. Um, but I, I want to really focus more on what Jesus does in this moment. As the man is lowered before Him, we're told He sees the faith of the friends, and He says to the man, this is all very weird, the faith of the friends, not the faith of the man. He says to the man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, um, but I would guess that if you went to the doctor this week with an ear infection or a broken bone or uh, an illness of great severity, and you said, hey, doc, I've got this problem, and, and the doctor said, no problem, your sins are forgiven, you would be a little bit uncomfortably disappointed, right? Um, Nobody is looking for this, okay? The friends of Jesus are not looking for this. The friends of this paralyzed man are not looking for this. The crowds aren't expecting it. The religious leaders aren't expecting it. The man who is paralyzed is not expecting it. Jesus offers the wrong solution to the problem they are presenting. It's so wrong, in fact, um, that it's going to create all kinds of conflict for him. Um, So, we get the scribes' response to Jesus. The scribes say, oh my gosh, this is blasphemy, right? How can this man forgive sins? And, and the scribes are right. 
Okay, I mean, they are right that only God can forgive sins. This is intuitive. It kind of just makes sense, right? Let's imagine for a minute um, that Bev Werner got up because she got frustrated with my sermon, and she just punched me in the face really, really hard, knocked me down. My nose, no, you stay there. Uh, <laughs> knocked me down. I'm sure she'd knock me down. I, I get up, and then a few minutes later, um, uh, Kent Perrin says, it's okay, Bev, I forgive you. That doesn't make any sense. I'm the one who got knocked down, Kent. What are you doing, right? Um, in the same way, right, it is, it is God against whom we sin. No one else can forgive sins except for the one who sinned against. And so for Jesus to claim what He claims is claiming the authority to speak for God. Jesus is actually risking His life here. Um, when the scribes say it's blasphemy, um, if Jesus is not right, then they must be right. Uh, and Scripture says, one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall be put to death. So Jesus offers um, a solution that nobody's looking for, um, and in so doing, He claims this divine authority. Then He starts, like, reading their hearts. This is a wild moment, right? But they keep thinking these things internally, and Jesus knows what they're internally thinking. And he asks them questions about it. Uh, we have elsewhere in Scripture um, this idea that God knows the secrets of man's heart, right? And so here Jesus is showing that he knows that. And then Jesus calls himself a name. He says, so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Uh, and when Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, he is explicitly referring to the story we read in Daniel this morning. He's saying that I am that figure who comes before God, who heralds a new heaven and a new earth, a new kingdom that will overthrow all the other kingdoms of this world. This is Jesus' favorite title for Himself in the Bible, Son of Man. And then, after all of that, Jesus finally gets around to healing this paralyzed guy. Notice when He heals the paralyzed guy, He doesn't sternly warn him to keep it quiet. He doesn't say, hey, let's go in a back room so nobody knows what I did. Jesus does it in front of the whole crowd, and He does it so that everybody can see, and He does it explicitly so that they will know that He has the authority He's already claimed to forgive sins. And so, I think that Mark wants us to get that Jesus is willing to be famous for the right reason. The reason Jesus wants to be famous is not because He can fix our earthly problems. It's because He can fix our heavenly ones. He's not a God who wants to be famous for just cleansing our skin. He wants to be a God who's famous for cleansing our hearts. Jesus has come somehow to be about this work of forgiveness. And what He wants everyone to know is that He is a God who brings forgiveness. There's a, a book called A Forgiving God in an Unforgiving World by Ron Lee Davis, and he tells the story, a true story, of a priest who was serving in the Philippines. Uh, this priest was a, a deeply devout man, um, but when he was in seminary, he had committed a, a secret sin of which he was deeply ashamed. He'd repented, he turned away from it, but he had no sense of God's forgiveness or of peace about what he'd done. He sort of carried that weight with him everywhere he went. In his parish, there was a woman who very much loved God and who said that she was having visions of Christ where He would speak with her and talk with her. And this priest, maybe understandably, was a little skeptical about this woman and her visions. And so to test her, he said, the next time you speak with Christ, 
I want you to ask him what sin your priest committed while he was in seminary. The woman agreed. A few days later, the priest came up to her and asked, well, did Christ visit you in your dreams again? Yes, he did, she replied. And did you ask him what sin I committed in seminary? Yes. Well, what did he say? He said, I don't remember. This is the God that Jesus has come to reveal, right? A God who says, I don't remember your sins. It's not just that I got over it. It's not just that I'm not going to worry about it. It's not just that you've paid me off. Um, Your sins are forgiven. And this is what Jesus wants to be known for. This is the word He wants to spread. He wants to spread the word of a God who forgives sins and cures death, whose goal is to heal our hearts. And if that can come with healing our bodies, all the better. And so, here's the important thing for us. Um, We have to consider how we respond to a God like this, a God who's more deeply invested in healing our hearts than healing our flesh. There's a famous book by J.B. Phillips called Your God is Too Small, Uh, and in it, uh, Phillips suggests that we tend to ask God for little things. And uh, I don't mean that we always ask God for things that are little to us. Um, To us, It may be a very big deal to ask God to help with a particular broken relationship or an upcoming test or a job interview. Those are important to us, and because God has compassion on us, they're important to God as well. Um, But Philip says, we have missed what is big and what is small. We pray for those we love who are ill to be healed, but we miss that what's big is that they know Christ, right? What's big is that if they are healed of their disease, then one day they will get sick again. That nobody leaves this life alive until Jesus comes back. But we have the privilege of offering them something much deeper than physical healing. And Jesus calls us to be involved in this work of of healing hearts, of, of bringing cleanliness to people's souls. And not that we do it, but that we point them, we bring them like the friends to Jesus. Um, and we bring them knowing that Jesus might meet their earthly needs and He will definitely meet their spiritual ones. Ruth shared this morning that we are um, beginning this ministry or uh, continuing this ministry about anti-human trafficking. It's a huge thing that our church has been involved in for many years, and uh, we deeply care about these women who are trapped in these situations of violence and abuse. But our goal is not simply to get them out of slavery so they can become enslaved to something else, right? We don't want them just to be free from um, an abusive man so they can become enslaved to the pursuit of wealth or success or fame or something else earthly. What Damascus Road does, that's the ministry we partner with for anti-human trafficking, so beautifully as they say, hey, we are interested in your whole freedom. We're interested in your whole freedom. We want you to be free Yeah, absolutely, from the grip of humans. We want you to be free from the grip of sin. We want you to be free from death itself. This is one of the things we've worked on so hard in our Hearts of Hope ministry over the last number of years. We have done an amazing job meeting the physical needs of our community, but we've also said, hey, we want to like 
pray for our families when they come. We want to connect them to prayer partners who will call them every month and ask how we can be in prayer for you. We want to invite them into our church building so they feel welcome in this space. And we want to bring them back throughout the course of the year and do things like pasta night and book night so that we have opportunities to build relationship because we are not just interested in meeting their physical needs. We're not just interested in cleaning skin. We want to clean hearts. We recognize that what Jesus wants to be famous for isn't skin deep. And so this, I think, is so critical for us in the church. We have to recognize that our goal as a church is not a world without leprosy. Our goal in the church is not a world without people who are paralyzed. It's not that we want a world without slavery or that we want a world without poverty. It's that we want a world without sin. We want a world without death itself. We want a world where God is the center of every human heart. And when we have that world, there will be no leprosy, and there will be no people who are paralyzed, and there will be no slavery, and there will be no poverty. This is the vision of the kingdom of God that Jesus brings, where hearts are transformed and bodies come along for the ride. Jesus wants to be famous for all the right reasons. He's the one who forgives sins, who cleanses hearts, and who ultimately conquers death. Let's be a people who share His compassion and share His focus. And then may we, like the crowds who met Jesus, be amazed and glorify God and say, we have never seen anything like this.